Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, uh, if our uh, listeners could see us, they would see that we have on party hats and there's a clown and balloon animals because this is the two-year uh, birthday of the Assurance of Pardon podcast. Uh, tomorrow will mark two years since we posted our very first Assurance of Pardon episode. Our sound quality has our, our quality of our of our content probably has stayed the same, but our sound quality is better. So there's that. It's been a joy to see how God has has used uh, this podcast. I talk to folks all the time who have uh, all over the place who reach out to us uh, saying that the that the that the the content has been a a, a blessing to them, and uh, we've got we just look we've got over forty three thousand downloads from all over the world, um, um, more than ten percent of them being uh, outside of the United States, so um, super exciting. Yeah, our podcast is a toddler. Um, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's unruly. It doesn't listen. It's it's like your drunk best friend. Um, but you know, it's, it's crazy to think about because, uh, you know, I drove here this morning to the church office, um, in the snow because it snowed here, um, this week in Dyersburg. Uh, and the first time we ever, I don't know if you remember this or not, Scott, the first time we ever recorded a podcast, the reason we were able to kind of dabble with this is because, uh, our, my job at the time, the office was closed because it snowed. So I drove actually over to hot springs in the snow and um we recorded the podcast and it's crazy to think like um this fun idea with two dudes just trying to record conversations we're having has actually been beneficial so we're, we're humbled and and thankful uh, a few fun facts that buzz sprout shared with us to share with you guys um our top episode uh was chad Burr. we love chad uh, his episode on the Christ key is his latest book that was out, uh, was actually under our number one download, uh, downloaded episode. We appreciate that. Also, uh, shout outs out to Anaheim, California. That was our number one city that, that listens to us. Uh, so thank you guys. I've never been to Anaheim, California. So please in, invite me. Well, it's, it's where Disneyland is. And so the two, basically what that tells us is that the two most exciting things to do in Anaheim are go to Disneyland or listen to the assurance of pardon podcast. <laughs> it's definitely so not to watch I, the angels. I think yeah. if you were to look at st- stats of what Disneyland's business has been lately, I think we're probably cutting into uh, their market share a lot. Obviously folks are, are instead of going to Disneyland, they're spending a lot of money. They're listening to assurance of pardon. I love it's, that. Uh, yeah. It's, yes. th- you're not argue, Don't argue with, argue with me. That's it's just statistics. That's the data. So if I have any friends um, in Anaheim that would love to to give give us um, 
Yankees versus Angels tickets. That's be the only way I'd ever see my beloved Yankees play a baseball game because I can't afford to go to Yankee Stadium. So would love love that. Um, yeah, 28 episodes last year. Uh, we're thankful for that um, and thankful for the Lord's provision um, and everybody's support there. Scott, what are we talking about this morning? Well, we are in our seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. I, I, I feel like we have, uh, I worry sometimes that we have bitten off more than we can chew. Um, just we're in our, in our constant quest to come up with ideas for episodes. I uh, had the idea of, well, let's just talk about how we can see Jesus in each and every book of the Old Testament. We kind of put our money where our mouth is. Uh, and so we've been doing that. We made it all the way through the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And now we are uh, in our uh, sixth book of the Bible, and that is the book of Joshua, which marks the beginning of what are called the historical books. So uh, we are going to be looking today at the book of Joshua and how uh, readers, uh, Christians today, followers of Jesus, how we can read the book of Joshua in light of the in light of what we know of Calvary, in light of what we know about the crucified, resurrected, ascended, and interceding Son, and in that sense, we should read our Bible backwards. How do I now? What does the New Testament tell me that informs how I read this? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so we we uh, we're excited to, to dig in, um, kicking off uh, with. Joshua, I think it, it helps to talk a little bit about and just kind of refresh uh, our listeners on a few things. It helps us. Remember, we talked about uh, understanding the context when you're when you're studying uh, the a book of the Bible, really studying the Bible at all, doing any sort of Bible study. And Scott, you're always famous for, for saying what about about context? Yes, a text without a context is a con. Absolutely. So we want to dig in. Um, I think to help kind of place us at the right spot in in the redemptive historical narrative of the Bible, the the timeline, verse one, right? After the death of Moses, this is chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over to Jordan, you and all the people, into this land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. So it tells you where we are at in the story, that at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses passes away. We know that he doesn't get to go to the promised land, that, that the second time around, out of his frustration and bitterness, he strikes the rock instead of touching the rock to provide water, and the Lord... Um, ha- doesn't allow him to go to the promised land. He passes away there on the mountain. So this is where we are in the story. This is where we are. Joshua has been following Moses up up to this point. Every time Moses goes up to the mountain, Aaron and Joshua are there at the kind of not, not even the base, but like just a little bit above the base of the mountain waiting on Moses to come back down after meeting with the Lord. Joshua spent all this time, um, watching Moses being being prepared. And I don't think it is coincidence that uh, in Deuteronomy, if you remember, there's an announcement that the Lord is going to send a prophet like Moses to come and replace Moses, that that, that will be eventually be uh, the Messiah that they're looking for. And that prophet we know is Jesus. Well, another, you know, we, we know Jesus 
through through his Greek name Jesus, right? Right. Um, but actually, in the Hebrew, he would have been Yeshua or Joshua. Right. Joshua. Um, so it's actually not a coincidence that the the first prophet that you see after um, Moses is Joshua. That's exactly there, right. There's a little bit of, yeah, this is what Hebrews is talking about when it's talking about types and shadows. Joshua is a type and shadow of the one to come. Yeah, and if any, if our readers want to check this out, that's in Numbers chapter 13 where where uh, where Joshua is given the name Joshua, which means God saves, means Yahweh saves. And then what happens in Matthew chapter in Matthew chapter one when uh, um, uh, what happens is God instructs Joseph to name this this baby this baby that uh, that Mary is going to have. This is uh, Matthew chapter one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For which Yeshua, you will call his name Joshua. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. And so, again, same thing. Jesus is the truer and better Joshua who saves his people from their sins. I think it's also important for us. So we understand where we are historically, right? We've got we've got historical timeline context. We even then seeing um, timelines and tie-ins and, and, and things of that nature with Joshua and his name and, and even hints there. Um, now let's put it in what I would call a covenantal context. You know, we being Presbyterians, being being in, in the reform camp, uh, we would hold to, we've talked about this before, covenant theology instead of a dispensational theology. Um, and so in the covenants that God establishes with his people, all kind of building this, this one story, one theme, one purpose, one goal. Um, the covenant that he makes with Abraham, part of that covenant actually involves land, Scott. It actually involves um, a promises. Not only will I be your God, you will be my people. Um, and from your offspring, the nations will be blessed. We know that that points to Jesus. Paul's really, really explicit about that in Galatians, especially. Um, but also, there are promises tied to land. And so Joshua is all about how, as the people of Israel are leaving the wilderness, entering into the promised land, uh, they are going into the promised land, going to fight the the people that are there. They're going to take possession of the land. And, and a lot of Joshua deals with how uh, they, are, they are given this land. Yeah, that is, uh, um, that's the key thing going on here in Joshua is this promise of this land that God's people are going to inherit, that God is going to give them. And so the question still revolves around how are we to think about this, about the land, uh, Especially this this chunk of real estate uh, in the Middle East uh, is that still oh, is that still something that has any sort of theological significance? And the answer is no. It, it never was ultimately about the land. Now, how do we know that? Well, if you if you turn to the Book of Hebrews, and as our friend Chad Bird says, Hebrews is the only infallible commentary on the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter eleven, this Hall of Faith. It, it talks about Abraham because what is Joshua about? Joshua is about, uh, uh, again, 
God fulfilling these promises that he'd made to Abraham, one of them being land. But what? how did Abraham understand that? In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, i.e. the land. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. But then it says... For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. That is to say, he is looking to a a heavenly city. And when we, just to kind of, it, it helps to kind of see the bookends of the Bible, when we get to the end of Revelation, what is it that John is given a vision of at the, at the fulfillment of all things, what is it that comes down out of heaven? It's a city. It's a city. And if the city is coming down out of heaven, that means that it is a city uh, whose builder is God. And, and so what that tells us is that even Abraham, for all that he, it, it, even Abraham knew that this promise of a chunk of land was a was a placeholder was a picture of an eternal city that would come in the new heavens and the new earth that that's what he was looking forward to so we need to keep that in our mind as we see this idea of of the land we as we're reading Joshua in light of the new testament we need to know uh, how to understand this land promise yeah, absolutely. And, and just for reference, that's uh, Hebrews 11, uh, 9 and 10 mm-hmm. specifically is where, where Scott, right. Scott was reading there. And that's absolutely true, which um, if you get into and as you get into Joshua, uh, one of the things you're going to notice um, is chapter four, for example, chapter four, um, they pull out these 12 stones and there there are memorial stones this is this is something that the reader uh if you're reading kind of chronologically you know a lot of people at the new year they'll do uh, mcshane's bible reading plan or other bible reading plans if you're reading chronologically through the the text you'll notice this is something that happens frequently with the patriarchs that god does something significant and it's remembered by um stones being being stacked on one another or or some some sort of um remembrance there so there's these 12 stones that are that are pulled out and it says that these 12 stones um are representative of the the 12 tribes of the people of israel and it says these stones shall live forever well well how how is how is that possible well because the 12 stones tying to the 12 tribes um, have their their ultimate fulfillment in the in the family of God, right? That, that right. Jesus being a part part of one of those tribes, being the line of the tribe of Judah, and ultimately, what does Peter say? That you've you have been made living stones, right? That that you are a part of this family. That you're a part of the people. You've been engrafted in to use Paul's language um, in in Romans eleven here. All of those things start to kind of put the pieces together and start to help help things make sense. And and as we're we're talking about Jesus's family, let me back up actually a couple of chapters. Um, there's a key character in Joshua um, that we're introduced to Scott in Rahab. Tell us a little right. bit about about Rahab. Uh, well, Rahab 
Rahab is a prostitute who hides the spies who were sent into the land. I don't know where you. I don't know what you were looking for me to say. We didn't talk about that ahead of time. But right. but Rahab is Rahab is a prostitute uh, who um, is less than fully honest with uh, uh, with the authorities when they come and say we heard you were hiding some guys and she says no they they they're they're gone. They're gone. Uh, um, well, and, the, and not only you, that, but you leave see, now, you might catch them. <laughs> right. Um, sorry, sorry for not setting you up there. Scott. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We we can we can edit that if we need to. Um, yeah. So the thing the thing with Rahab, we get inter- introduced to Rahab in, in the story. Um, some things that I find interesting because um, also it's uh, the story of Jericho. You know the story that we're all told in Sunday school, growing up as a kid, and and this is the fun part in Sunday school where. Your Sunday school teacher actually got lets you get up and and run around the table and shout and all, all that good stuff. Or maybe I just had had a really good Sunday yeah. school teacher growing up. But like it's the one time that you could shout in Sunday school and not get in trouble. You know, um, this is in Joshua. And why does that matter? Well, Rahab, her um, house is literally built into the wall. Um, and so as the people of Israel are going to conquer the land and they're, they're going to um, take the promised land, they're dealing with the city of Jericho. Um, anybody reading this can, can very quickly realize, OK, if the wall is going to be destroyed and Rahab is inside the wall, Rahab's house is going to be destroyed. So how is this going to work out? Well, the the narrative, the, the piece there, the plot twist is when the spies go into the city, it's Rahab's faith that actually saves her, right? That right. Again, the Old Testament saints are being saved by something different. They're being saved by faith and faith alone because it's Rahab's faith in what she's heard about who Yahweh is and what he has done for his people. That's the gospel that causes her to say, I'm all in. I want to be a part of your people. I, I, I want to do whatever I need to do. Uh, and then in saving the, the spies and causing them, them not to get, get taken captive and get, it, get killed, um, she actually saves her and her family. There's a, there's a covenantal part, part to this. And the, the beauty of that is how it happens. What, what do they tell her to do? They tell her to tie a crimson thread uh, mm. around her window so that when they come in to take the city, they actually know uh, whose house it is. Mm. And it's that crimson thread that actually um, saves her life. Yeah, that's exactly right. That crimson thread should remind us of some other way in which destruction is going to come upon uh, God's enemies. Uh, and yet this crimson, this blood over the doorpost is going to be the thing the angel of, of death will see that and will pass over that. And then obviously the Passover finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Yeah, that, that passage from what Rahab tells the spies is she says, I know the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan uh, of uh, Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, for there was no spirit left in any man 
because of you. I, I misspoke there. Uh, let me let me back up. The Passover has already happened. The Passover. This is not a prior to the Passover. This is after the Passover. But it it, it should remind us uh, of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and just so you can see some New Testament connections here, um, let me point out a couple of passages for our readers. Uh, Matthew's genealogy in Matthew 1, we, we've referenced this several times in our studies here of the Old Testament, but um, chapter uh, 1, verse 5, and in the list of lineages in a- Abraham's family, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. So who's Boaz? Boaz is the kinsman redeemer that meets Ruth and Naomi and marries Ruth and saves Naomi and Ruth's family and becomes the kinsman redeemer. Well, Rahab is his mama. And I think, right. and I think that's, that's so sweet because not only do you see um, her, her faith, Rahab's faith, in the promises of God and that, that actually saving her and the crimson thread being the little hint there. But you also see that God's promises remain true, that the spies told her that if you will do this, we will, we will rescue you and we will rescue your family. And not only that, we'll make you a part of our family. Well, how does that happen? Well, because she married Salmon, right? One of the, one of the Israelites and she literally becomes an Israelite. And then she gives birth to a son named Boaz. And obviously she raised him up um, in the promises in the gospel, just like we do with our children, Scott, Um, because Boaz has faith and has understandings of the promises of God and understanding the kinsman redeemer, what it, what it means to be gracious to the sojourner and to the stranger, the way that Christ um, is a, is, uh, a caretaker of us as strangers. And cause she, obviously he learned that from his mom. He learned that from Rahab right. who, who by uh, all stretches of the imagination being a lady of the night should not have, have at all been given any of the grace and mercy that she was given. And here's the thing, Boaz fathers Obed and Obed fathers, Jesse and Jesse fathers, David. So That's you right. see right through, through Joshua, you get, get to the line uh, of David and ultimately to the line of Jesus. One more passage I'll point out to you. You mentioned Hebrews 11 uh, earlier in verses 9 and 10. Skipping down to verse 31, Scott, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those that were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So you see that she's even in the hall of faith. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Before we, uh, before I forget, I want to uh, commend to our readers um, uh, a resource. We've we've talked about the Gospel Transformation Bible edited by uh, Brian Chapel, but um, Nancy Guthrie, uh, who has a wonderful podcast that uh, is going to drill in and do more of a deep dive on some of these uh, than ours is. Nancy Guthrie has a podcast produced by the Gospel Coalition called Help Me Teach the Bible, and she has a series of books on seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. Testament, and from her, the son of David, finding Jesus in the historical books, uh, she has a, a a super helpful chart, and I wanted to share with our uh, uh, with our listeners a couple of things. You know, in Joshua one, uh, God, to whom the whole earth belongs, charged Joshua to lead his people into Canaan and to reclaim it for God, and promising to be with them. Well, what is Jesus? What is the truer and better G- uh, Joshua? 
What does he say in Matthew 28? This is the Great Commission. Jesus, to whom all authority has been given in heaven and on earth, charges his disciples to go not just around Israel, but to go where? To all nations, reclaiming people for God and promising that he'll be with them. And so we find, uh, again, this is the idea of it's not just about the land, it's about all the nations. And then another one is in uh, Joshua chapter 10. Uh, Joshua impaled the bodies of the Canaanite kings on poles to demonstrate that they were under God's curse. Well, what does Paul say about Jesus in Galatians chapter 3? That he, he, he became a curse for us. He was, uh, he was hung on the pole. Uh, he was hung on the cross to show that he was a curse for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of the things I would, I would point out as we um, bring, bring Joshua to a close here um, is you also see just kind of some bookends. Chapter 4. In, in chapter 4, uh, you see that, actually not chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 5. Chapter 5, you see that a new generation um, of Israelites are circumcised. What's that have to do with Jesus? What has to have everything to do with Jesus? Because while they were in the wilderness, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And we know from looking again, as Chad Bird calls it, the, the only inspired commentary <laughs> on the Old Testament Hebrews, that in chapter three and chapter four, you find out that the reason that the Israelites were in the promised land for 40 years is because that's an entire generation of people that right. didn't have faith um, in the promises where the spies um, did have faith in what God was going to do. And so an entire generation dies off. Well, all of that generation was circumcised. They had received the sign um, of, of the promise. But during that time, as as would be true of anybody else, they have children, right? They, they have children. They have grandchildren. Um, there's an entire generation of people that grew up in the wilderness that are now entering into the promised land, and they haven't received this, the sign of circumcision. So they're given the, the sign. Uh, because God commands it. Well, in the same way, we see that baptism replaces circumcision, uh, and we see that, that that's that's an obedience. So even right. if you weren't baptized as a baby, I tell people this all the time. They're like, "Well, you know, we didn't baptize our kiddo as a baby, and now he's seven or eight. Do we need to wait till he makes a profession of faith? No, give him give him this sign." In the same way, we see this here, that uh, the sign is given, even though it was delayed, even though they weren't in a position to do that in the wilderness, for whatever reason, we see that that Joshua, one of the first things he does as the people are entering into the promised land is he gives them the sign of the promise. And then Joshua wraps up, and I think this is significant, and this is the one that everybody kind of knows. This is probably the the one that's... um, plastered on your on a wall on a canvas that you got from Hobby Lobby that you hang hanging your living room um, but the covenant's renewed at the end of Joshua in chapter 24 and why is the covenant renewed because Joshua as Chad Bird points out and I give you guys another resource you mentioned Nancy Guthrie we love Nancy um, I would also commend to you our, our, our guys over at 1517 40 minutes in the Old Testament we've talked about that podcast before and um, 
Joshua is the Old Testament parallel to what Acts is in the New Testament. Chad Bird points that out in his podcast. And so in the same way, and Acts starts to tell the narrative of what the people of God are beginning to do, Joshua is doing that in the Old Testament. So Acts is actually mimicking Joshua in that respect. So they renew the covenant at the end of 24 for several reasons. One, to kind of bring them back to, hey, this is what we're about. We are a covenant people. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we're after. This is who we are. This is the thing that grounds us. This is what we're doing this for. We're not doing this just to try to you know become the next superpower we're doing this because we believe in the promises of god that were given to his people so they renew the covenant in 24 and there's there's this push here of choose this day whom you will serve right and you'll and it's the the section that we all know that's hanging in somebody's house right as for me and my house we will serve the lord but really what that is is that's joshua um at at the end of his life, laying it out there and saying, hey, you got two options. You either can believe the promises and trust Yahweh and what what he has called us to do, or you can try to do it on your own. And and at the end of the day, brother, that's that's the gospel, right? You can either believe that Jesus is enough, that he lived the life that you couldn't live, died the death that you deserve, raised from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, and will come again to judge the living and the dead, or you can try to do it on your own. And we, as the people of God, just like in the days of Joshua, are given an inheritance. Not that we earned, not that we did anything to deserve, right? We know that Moses actually tells them at the end of Deuteronomy, when you enter the promised land, don't think it's because you're great. You're not great. You're stiff <laughs> right. neck. You're hard-headed. Don't think it's because you're, you're a military power. You're not. You're super small, and you you don't have any weapons, and you know nothing about military advancement. No, it's because God has given it to you. In the same way, that's the gospel. We're not yeah. saved because we're great. <laughs> we're not. We're stiff-necked. We're hard-headed. We're forgetful. We're prideful. We, you know, we're going to be in uh, Mark this week in our in our uh, sermon passage, Scott, and I'm, I'm reminded of how easy, easily we exchange the traditions of men for the Word of God, right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's who we are in a nutshell. But at the end of the day, the call, just like with Joshua, um, is to choose who you're going to serve. Amen. 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 I think that's a good place for us to end. Uh, but there is uh, uh, way more that we could go. We could talk another half hour, another hour uh, about how to see Jesus in the book of, of Joshua. Um, but um, we uh, want to remind our listeners that Assurance of Pardon is uh, a part of the Society of Reform Podcasters. So we would encourage you to uh, uh, look them up at Reform Podcast. Is it reformpodcasts.com? It is reformpodcast.com. Or there's a big RSS feed where if you listen to your podcast, you can listen actually to all of them collectively, uh, including Assurance of Pardon um, in that RSS feed. But they have added some uh, great uh, guys to the team lately. Um, mm-hmm. I. I'll be honest with you, Scott. I feel like um, we're junior varsity compared to some of the other other podcasts uh, that are in the list. We're fortunate to be a part of that team. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, But uh, uh, tell us, Gage, tell folks how they can get a hold of us. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope that we find this helpful. And if you have questions about anything uh, that we pointed out uh, in Joshua and other other Old Testament books, anything we've said um, on our uh, two years of podcasting. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we know that several 
uh, people have emailed recently. Uh, we were on Christmas break. We're getting back with you. We've got some exciting things coming up. Um, but you can always hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, you can also uh, email us at contactedassurancepardon.com or visit the website and shoot us a message. And until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless. God bless.